Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast exists because of the paid members at DecodingTV.com. If you're enjoying this podcast, consider becoming a paid member. Get access to ad-free episodes as well as early access to episodes. Thanks to everyone at DecodingTV.com who makes this podcast possible. You're here. Oh, yes. Every day of the week except Sunday, 9 to 5. The TVA is gone. I think you mean ATV and no, you're in luck. We got in two of them last week. They're upstairs. You don't remember me either. No, no, I do. You were, you, you were in just the other day, right? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I'm David Chen, and I only buy my own books when I go to bookstores, too. Joining me today is the host of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. He's also recently launched a new Substack at amazingspider.substack.com. Dan Gvozdin. Well, Dave. You strike me as someone who loves the wind rushing through his hair and the salty sea beneath his feet. Can I offer you a sea dew? <laughs> uh, the wind rushing through my sea dew is something I love. Uh, no hair, unfortunately, these days. Uh, but, Dick Boston, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, really appreciate you joining us. Uh, for those who don't know, Patrick Klepek couldn't make it this week. And so I asked Dan to step in for Patrick, and Dan graciously agreed. Um, so really appreciate that. And do check out his podcast at AmazingSpiderTalk.com and his new Substack at AmazingSpider.Substack.com. What's that Substack about, Dan Gavazin? It's about all things Spider-Man. If you're someone, maybe you're playing the Marvel Spider-Man 2 game and you've you've been bitten by this bug of all things Spider-Man. I mean, as the, as the nation, as the world has been captivated by Spider-Man stories, um, the Substack is all about the latest and greatest of Spider-Man collecting comics uh you know video games movies we're going to be covering it all there week to week uh everything you can think of about spider-man is going to be there and you've got me and my co-host of my podcast providing you expert insight into the world of spider-man and i gotta say dave thanks for having me back uh you know this episode might be about time skipping but i kind of feel like i'm time skipping because i'm thinking back to several years ago where you and i discussed every uh, episode of Loki together uh, for the first season. And I'm so glad to be back talking to you about season two. I know those were good times uh, back then. I think we were both less busy (laughs) back then, (laughs) (laughs) a less busy time of our lives. Um, But yes, it's so uh, uh, I'm so grateful to have you back then. And yeah, that was before like decoding TV was, you know, uh, yeah. a, a ongoing concern, you know, like, uh, we were just doing that on my own YouTube channel. So, uh, it's nice to have Dan back on, on the decoding TV. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us across all platforms, including YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok at decoding TV. What we're going to do today on the podcast is we're going to, we're going to be discussing season two, episode five, of Loki, entitled Science Slash Fiction. 
I think probably they just read it without the slash. It's just science fiction. <laughs> it's like face off, but I have to read the slash so you know it's there. We're going to start by talking about our overall thoughts on the episode, and then uh, we'll do like a somewhat detailed recap. I want to let people know, give people a little behind the scenes here, that essentially for the first four episodes, uh, I received screeners and therefore was able to like prep in advance. Uh, for the, I have not received any screeners for the final two episodes. So uh, Dan Kavazin and I have watched it literally minutes ago. We just finished watching it. Yes. And now we are recording. And so we have some rough notes. Um, so the recap will not be as polished as it is usually. Um, and so apologies for that. Uh, but you're, you're getting the fresh take, which in many ways is more valuable than the well thought through take. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'll tell you, Dave, if I clench hard enough, uh, I and the, use the power of rewind. I, I could look back at some of the scenes and provide greater insight. But indeed, indeed, you know, yeah, I, so- I haven't figured out the who of it all yet, so uh, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. All right, thank you, Austin. I mean, before we get into th- this episode, even uh, you hadn't watched any of season two of Loki. You watched the entire season to prepare for this podcast episode. Yeah, what has been your opinion of the season so far? Um, you know, uh, my, my opinion of the season thus far is actually very similar to my opinion about multiverse stories in in general, which is to say they all kind of have the same problem, which is the stakes are kind of non-existent because you can always backdoor invent some solution, Mm -hmm. uh, to them that kind of undercuts what's, what's come before. And so I find it really hard to invest in the, like, minutia of it because you can always invent some new doohickey like in this season it was we got to make the loom bigger or uh victor timely's got to invent some spinning globe thing and i find it really hard to invest in that and so like any opinion i have of the show you know, the counter to all of the time shenanigans and multiversal shenanigans is how well written are the characters? How interesting are they to follow and keep up with their struggles and see how they face each new trouble that comes their way? And so when an episode has a very clear character arc or really is focused on the characters, I find myself really enjoying it. I think episode one had some really nice character stuff in it and a really clear stakes. Like you got to do this thing and that's the one thing we got to do. And the characters are going to face down that obstacle. And the episodes two and three were just kind of, it felt like they were inventing new scenarios left and right that I couldn't keep up with. Not even like inventing new scenarios. They felt like almost completely separate self-contained, you know, adventure not even self-contained, but like basically it felt like they were resetting the season almost and starting over with a new idea, you know, in episodes two and three. I mean, even season one felt like a reset on the previous season, which is like, Oh no, it's all going to come down. Like when we, when we kill he who remains, Nope, there's a back door. Uh, You know, like (laughs) it's, it's all fine. Mm -hmm, We gotta, mm -hmm. we gotta stop it from dissolving again, you know? And even this episode, which we're about to talk about is kind of a redo of the previous episode where they're like, we got to stop this thing or it's all going to explode. And now again, it's like, we got to stop the thing or we're all going to turn into spaghetti. And I find that fairly exhausting, um, you know, as a conceit, um, just because, 
you know, like it looks like we're setting up even not to skip ahead, but even for the next episode to have someone walk that plank and hit that button again. And it's like, it's like the death star in star Wars. How many times can we watch them blow this thing up? You know? Um, but if, if the characters are well-written, then, then I'm on board. And so I think it's been hit or miss. And um, I, the showrunners of, of this season, uh, uh, Benson and Moorhead, um, I don't know if you've seen any of their films, but um, I feel like their films are very much like this. Like they're always full of all these ideas and the characters play second fiddle. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And I, I feel like we're at kind of like a 50-50 track record for this season so far. I think that's right. I mean, we've had five episodes now and I think um, for me, you know, episodes one, four and five have been pretty decent. And then episodes two and three were pretty rough. Uh, This is not bad. Not bad for a Marvel show for sure. Uh, So it sounds like uh, you haven't hated it. You haven't loved it. It's been a little bit of a mixed bag, but um, there have been some good highs, some crushing lows. That's been your overall thoughts on Loki season five, uh, season two. I don't even know if I would go as far to say crushing lows. I I still think this is probably my favorite um, of the Marvel TV shows. I think I just like its aesthetic and ideas and what it's trying to do more than um, almost all of their other shows, maybe excluding WandaVision. Although the finale to that left such a bad taste in my mouth. It's hard to, to really uh, look at it without that kind of souring. Um, I have a fun time with these characters, even if I don't really understand what they want or what they're doing. Like Ouroboros is plenty of fun. Um, Victor Timely is weird, but like I'll watch Jonathan Majors if I can ignore whatever's happening in the real world. Um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, I have been enjoying what this, you know, the visuals and concepts that they throw at me, they don't all stick, but I appreciate the bold, like, wacky science stuff that we've been getting so all right dan gavazin let's talk about loki season two episode five science fiction let's start with overall thoughts what did you think of the episode honestly i think this might be my favorite episode of loki yet other than maybe the um the pilot of the entire show where everything felt fresh and new uh like i i don't think anything has reached that level of like exciting new possibilities um, being presented in an episode. But, uh, you know, to counter the point that I just made about like, uh, like episodes that are overwhelmed with science nonsense and backdoor, you know, tricks to get us out of problems. This one felt like there was actually a really concrete thing that the main character had to do that was rooted in character that was looming and we knew the stakes so to speak so so to speak speak. and we learned so much about so many of the characters in this episode i mean even incidental characters even just finding out where they were plucked from the time stream tells you more about them and i think this might be the most character-centric episode that we've gotten yet and so uh, just on a personal mistake i i thought this was really entertaining and kept my attention throughout and had plenty of jokes and drama. I I, I believed almost everything that I was hearing in this episode. And that's a lot from a show that I don't always do that. I got to say, I agree. I I think this episode was really good. Uh, Yeah. Possibly the best episode of the season. Uh, And what I really appreciate about it is 
it follows through on some of the ideas that were introduced earlier yeah. in the season, right? Yeah. Like, it follows through on the idea of, hey, all these people in the TVA came from their own individual lives. It follows through a little bit on, like, Loki's character development and, like, trying to explain why Loki has been doing some of the things that he's been doing, right? Uh, and it has some great visuals, some fun surprises. It's funny. Uh, overall, I really liked it. Uh, I have there to are say, some yeah. all-time visuals in this episode. I mean, we, we'll talk about the record store yeah. sequence, but I mean, uh, I, I, I couldn't believe some of the like visual craft that was put into this episode. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, Dan Gvozin, well, as I said, like our uh, our sort of beat by beat recap is not going to be as detailed as usual, but we're gonna we're gonna give it a shot. Okay, so the episode picks up moments after the last episode when the uh, temporal loom was going to explode. Um, Loki awakens and finds the TVA to be completely empty. He then starts time slipping. He catches a glimpse of himself like a minute into the future. And then later we, you know, we learn that it's him, right? From just a minute into the future, he slips again. And at that point, uh, the failsafe mode at the TVA initiates and everything starts deconstructing into spaghetti. This was the one thing about the episode I was a little bit confused by, which is, did you have any interpretation as to what failsafe initiative meant? Like what, what, what is, what is occurring when that happens? Um, I don't exactly know my my reading of the spaghettiification of everything is that like the branches that have split off from the main timeline are dissolving. And I don't know if that means the main timeline is kept intact. Per perhaps we're watching the unraveling of the entire multiverse or even the sacred timeline. Um, and, and that's what's going on. Maybe the failsafe is Loki. I mean, I do find it still curious that Loki is the only one who wasn't returned to an alternate life uh, in, in some way. So maybe he's more linked to the TVA than we've yet to realize. Yeah. Um, and that will be revealed later on. Um, you, you know, I, I, I didn't mention this in my uh, overview of, of the episode, but um, what even you know, more than just like the quality of this episode, it also restored faith in me that like there might actually be payoffs to all of these setups because mm -hmm. so many of them were paid off here, you know, yeah. like, uh, so like, I'm like saying, you know what, maybe we'll find that in the next episode when that confidence had been very sorely shaken previously. Um, Absolutely. so, Absolutely. so like I'm kind of waiting and seeing on if there is some explanation for Loki's permanence in the TVA and what that failsafe might mean. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, it was a little bit confusing to me and I wasn't sure what it meant. And so maybe by next week I'll have read up on all the theories and we can talk about it. You're also yeah. welcome to email us at decodingtv.com. Let us know what you think of what's going on at the beginning of this episode. But yeah, the two, two things are like confusing. Why does Loki persist? Right. And I, I do think one of the reasons is like, we find out by the end, like he has some special powers, right? Like, yeah. And maybe that's, that's related to that. Um, but like, what is the failsafe? Like uh, initially my interpretation of the failsafe was, Oh, we're resetting everything to before like the TVA even happened basically. And that's what, um, that's why everyone is back in their own yes. place. You know, yeah. that was my initial interpretation. I'm not sure if that's accurate or not because could, could they um, not afford Asgard? 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, also, uh, also like the idea is that he's jumping back in time and potentially jumping to these branch timelines. So, uh, like he's, he's basically intercepting these people before they were even potentially recruited to the TVA. Right. So maybe, uh, like the failsafe initiated initiated is not related to those people being back where they originated from. You know what I'm saying? The, the curious um, thing about that is um, that um, Mobius, his timeline is 2022. Mm-hmm. So, you know, was he from the future? Uh, like the, the slight future in the timeline of like Loki? Cause right. right. Because Loki right came from uh, the in- New York invasion you know, and he shows up in in the TVA. I mean, I know the TVA is outside of time, um, but it is funny. Like they're like Mobius. We're going to make it very clear. He's from now. You know, uh, like <laughs> well, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there is the matter of like I don't remember when the Battle of New York takes place in the. Um, I think it's up- like 2008 or something like that. I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's probably wrong. Um, like what year did the Battle of New York take place in the Avengers? Uh, I, I don't know. I I, I want to say it was uh, 2011, 2012. Yeah. I think it was okay. 2012. All right. Uh, because I think that's the time they travel to in Endgame. Okay. Yeah, that right? makes sense. So yeah. uh, if that's the case, then it's like this took place after the Battle of New York. Uh, so actually, sh- shouldn't um, shouldn't Owen Wilson know Loki from the Battle of New York? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but it's a bra- it's a branch timeline, so like you know that, that maybe Who knows? Yeah. It, maybe in his universe, like the Battle of New York never happened or whatever. Sure. Um, but uh, I, I think that just ambiguity remains about like what the failsafe did. Like, did it restore people back to their timeline? And then it's like, okay, it, the failsafe was we restore everyone back to their original timelines, but it still fails because like in that world, the TVA never happened. And then things spun out of control. Anyway, that was, that was kind of my original interpretation. And I feel like it kind of makes sense. Does it make sense? Right. Like where, yeah, it, the, the it failsafe like reset everyone back and then, but things fell apart anyway, because the point of the TVA was to maintain a sacred timeline so that things didn't fall apart. So like by resetting everything back, the TVA doesn't happen or doesn't happen in the same way, and therefore things fall apart. So that, that well, was my we're, we're, we yeah. see in Sylvie's timeline that like things are a, like a, actively apparating or whatever, uh, or spaghettifying, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. which uh, you know again begs more questions because she's in the past, right? She's at an old McDonald's, you yeah. know, in the timeline that's before. 2022 with uh, Owen Wilson's Mobius. I, I you know what? It's, right. it's one of those best not to think about kind of things. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. So we, you know, we've, we've, we've tried to struggle through it and I hope that was moderately interesting. I, I, anyway. will, I will say, I thought the, the, the visual of like how they showcased Loki time traveling within the TVA and interacting with himself was really a clever, simple way of, communicating that through the language of the mm, show yeah that like oh now he can you know time travel inside the tva you haven't seen that before um and i thought that was cool imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. He then starts time slipping, appearing in random places and times that happened to have all the people that were in the room when the temporal loom failed, right? We meet Eugene Cordero's character, uh, Casey, who is called Frank in his old life. Uh, he is in San Francisco, California in 1962 in a branch timeline, escaping with two compatriots from Alcatraz Island. Uh, we then go to New York, 2012. X85 was a doctor slash pediatrician. She's seeing a girl who broke her arm. He time slips to 2022. Cleveland, Ohio. Branch timeline. Owen Wilson is Dawn, a water ski sale, uh, uh, a jet ski salesman. salesman. Um, and apparently he has two kids and he's a single dad. Yeah. And then uh, 1994, Pasadena, California. Uh, OB is a uh, a person named A.D. Doug, and he is attempting to buy a book from a bookstore called The Zartan Contingent, which it turns <laughs> out is his own book that he's placed on shelves. Uh, and the bookstore basically says, hey, stop putting your books on our shelves. Uh, it's embarrassing because they can't uh, check it out. They can't. Um, <laughs> it doesn't show up in the system when they scan it. Uh, and then to which uh, O.B. responds, science fiction is a well-respected and thought-provoking genre, uh, which I thought was a great, great little nod to. Uh, to what we're watching. Yeah. Um, so then Loki shows up uh, and kind of talks to OB and they have like some very informative conversations about what exactly is going on. Um, you get the sense that he just like summarized like all of this stuff in the span yes. of like 10 minutes. <laughs> there is a cool article at uh, marvel.com about OB's workspace in this episode, uh, because there's one point where it's like a warehouse and he walks into Obi's workspace, and it looks identical. Yeah. Uh, or it looks like the skeleton of it, the bones of it, look identical to his workspace uh, in the Time Variance Authority. And at Marvel.com, there's an article that explains it. Uh, they uh, were trying to figure out what Obi's workshop would look like. And according to designer uh, Kazra Farhani, uh, they said, quote, I pitched the, the, the idea of having the same space because... Uh, there was just nothing. We were looking for a location for Obi's real world workshop. There were things that were cool, but there wasn't anything that was cool enough. It occurred to me that this could be an opportunity for a really fun gag. In my mind, when Obi was brought from the timeline, he'd spent so much time in his real world workspace. However much brain wiping was done, the architecture of this space was just so deeply ingrained in the fiber of his mind. When he redesigned RNA and the TVA, he unwittingly recreated that space, end quote. Um, love that idea. Yeah. Really an execution, uh, just a great kind of visual reveal, you know? 
everything yeah. about that character and his space is I, I find wonderful. Like just the the repetitive nature of this guy's life and how little time actually means to him, uh, given that he like remembers Owen Wilson's Mobius visiting him 400 years earlier, yeah. you know, like it was yesterday. Um, I just find the cadence of that character just so enjoyable. He it's, it's kind of the role he was born to play, um, yeah. you know, just spouting nonsense science fiction data. Um, so and, and, and anyway, that that's a really fun article. I saw that myself. Uh, yeah, and everything about the character has been great, and uh, Kihei Kwan is amazing in it. Um, I, I believe he filmed it before he won the Oscar, if I'm not mistaken. Is that true? I think that's I think that's right. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe that's the case. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's 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 wild to imagine the journey that he has been on, and I'm so grateful that we get to enjoy his work today. It's just fun because it feels like a part that was written for him, mm-hmm. you, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, how early on did Marvel like recognize like this guy's back on the scene. Like, uh, let's let's bring him into this project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so he talks. They they talk about what's going on, and Kihei Kwan's character Ob. I'll, I'll refer to him as, as their original names that we know them from. Yeah, uh, kind of starts opining about like what might need to happen. Now, here is the the kind of downside of the show, and you kind of indicated this in your preamble, Dan Gavaz, and is like. When the show gets really bogged down in like the mechanics of what's going on, I think it's at its weakest because it's just so freaking complicated and there's like new rules every single episode and it's like it's exhausting in my opinion to keep up with. Yeah. Um but there are some fun moments because you know Obi's obviously a failed author but he drops this line about how like I have to get a PhD to keep my day job teaching theoretical physics at Caltech, which I thought was just an amazing <laughs> incredible line. Um, and he kind of tells Loki he needs to control the time slipping and they're trying to figure out like how, how that is. And he says, um, with science, it's all about what and how with fiction it's why that's kind of the core idea of this episode. I think and why the, sh- the episode's titled science fiction. Uh, what did you make of this? Dan Gavaz? I have my thoughts on this. What did you make of that distinction that he's trying to make there? Well, first of all, I want to say how grateful I was for them to bring in a like a visual metaphor for this whole thing with the pens and the cup. It's like, yeah. just give me something visual that I can grasp onto, yes. <laughs> so that, that I really English, know what I in I'm, English, please. Yeah, yes, know, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that that I I was very grateful for. Um, my my take on this is like really that um. I mean, it it is kind of a meta nod to the fact that we are watching fiction and we are watching a character's like story arc. And part of him completing that story arc is figuring out what he wants and why he wants it. Um, I, it's tough to talk about this because OB ends up being wrong um, about, about this. It's more about who, and I can explain, I, I think I have a good explanation for what that means when we get to that part of the recap. Um, but I, I think he's really just kind of driving like Loki at like saying you can't control something until you know why you want to get there. You know, like that will power your desire to be there with like real juice. Um, and uh, that that's at least my takeaway from it. The science of it all, I, I don't know. Um, and, and I, the metaphor is, I think a little loose, but I get like character and plot wise. I think he's just saying like, 
you don't want it enough until you really know what it is you're after. I thought it was a unintentionally ironic meta statement about creating art. Yeah. In the sense that like in science fiction, you don't want to get too bogged down with the machines and the spaceships and you know, the, the sci-fi concepts instead you want character and motivation uh, character motivations to drive the action. Uh, and, and that's why it's more important that it's like why as opposed to what and how. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I wish the show followed that advice more. <laughs> you know, because I, mean, I think the show, the this show is a good episode get... for, for making that statement. But absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, think this, I think this episode does demonstrate it. Yeah. Uh, but I wish that more of the show demonstrated it because I think it really does get bogged down there's so much time in the show is spent explaining the what and the how. Um, and this is an episode that this is an episode that explains the why. And that's great. Yeah. You know, so I, I thought it was a, a great kind of commentary on like how to make art. Like what's important to the audience when you make art is not the what and the how. It's the why. That's what's important. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, so so I, I liked that. If that was what the intention was. I, I appreciated it. And uh, hopefully the show has learned some lessons from the season as well. So uh, per what you just described, they determined that you, you know, using the cups in uh, pens and cup analogy, uh, they decide that like what they want to try to do is recreate the temporal aura that existed when the temporal loom blew up in episode four. So in order to do that, they can, they can, you know, Loki goes and then retrieves everyone. And then by recreating the temporal aura, they can then theoretically search the universe for the same temporal aura. And then Loki can get back to that place uh, and theoretically stop the universe from exploding. That's, that's I, my, I, yeah, right. I, yeah, that's right. I, I laugh that we don't get Victor Timely. Uh, jo joining them again, you know, like, are, are they, are they literally going to go back to the moment after him exploding into spaghetti? Like maybe we'll, maybe. we'll call it a wash. We'll call it a wash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Loki starts going back in time. He starts assembling his crew, right? Like in a heist Yeah. and he goes back and he's like, you're not going to believe, you know, and we see him do the whole thing with Owen Wilson's character. Uh, which is not, which is like really nice. Like that's a really great interaction. And then we don't, we then don't need to see him do it like three more times. Right. Yeah. So I, I appreciate it. We also see him do it with Sylvie as well. Um, and, uh, 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 you know, in order to make this all work, they need to have a temp pad. And fortunately Loki has brought a TVA manual with him that explains how to make a temp pad, which Obi subsequently does using, the materials that he has lying around during his time period. Right? I love, I love the joke about like, he's like, that was quick. And he's like, 18 months isn't quick. I lost my wife doing that. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. He's like, I lost my job and my wife during that time period. I I've experienced an entire divorce during that. It's like, wow. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a several moments like that that are really great. Yeah. Like, it's also like when Loki's trying to convince Owen Wilson, uh, to come with him and uh, Owen Wilson is like, Hey man, I don't want any trouble. Like you can imagine if someone came to you and was like, I'm your friend. 
you need to come with me to the future yeah. at the time variance authority you'd be like i need to call the police i need to like reach for a weapon have, right have now, you know? heard of our lord and savior he yeah. who remains <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway uh, have we discussed the 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 atv joke is that's in this section isn't it uh, that was earlier on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that, that, I that thought was that amazing. was the funniest moment of the, um, of the episode. Yeah. Amazing joke. And we should pause for a moment to say that this episode does pay off, uh, the ATV stuff like or the, uh, the jet, jet ski. ski stuff, right? Like that was a thing that was seeded in, in like last season. And now it's like, it all makes sense. It all makes sense why he cares about it. And like, we now know that he's like wish from before to ride the jet ski was simply like the remnant of his salesman, his salesperson self. You know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, and, he's the, the, ski, and right? he's the worst kind of salesman. The guy that mm-hmm. doesn't know how to turn it off. Like in yeah. social settings, he's still telling you about it. Like, uh, it, of course, Mobius would be that guy. <laughs> uh, and you kind of get a sense that he's like a better, you know, maybe, maybe he's a better version of himself in the TVA. Right. Yeah, he um, doesn't seem like the most on top of it dad, but, you know, uh, single dad, dumb, you know, uh, uh, it seems like his wife passed away fairly recently, um, which is an interesting note. The the matching like ski do in the in the garage. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. just a lot of like little textured stuff there that they don't point at too heavily that you begin to learn more about, like how Mobius became the guy that he is. So. Well, we also learned that Casey, like, had two companions that he was escaping Alcatraz with. And then also, by the way, who knows what he was in Alcatraz for? Because they generally only put terrible criminals in there, right? Uh, And then he's like, he really wants to get inside a bank vault to rob it, which is like, okay, I don't know why that's so important to you. Um, But then uh, Loki gets to Sylvie. And... Sylvie already knows who he is. Now there are some, I saw some debate online about like what, what happened with Sylvie? Did Sylvie like reset? Like did Sylvie escape at the last minute? Like use a temp pad and escape backwards in time. You know, uh, that was not my interpretation. My interpretation was just, he intercepted Sylvie at an earlier point in time than we have seen this season. That was kind of my interpretation of, that but i, I, mean, I was she sure. seems to have some acknowledgement of the world coming to an end D- does she not like she seems like she like is like well you know that happened like she's on a similar journey well well because because to be fair theoretically the last interaction she's had with loki in sylvie's mind is her murdering he who remains that's fair. That's right? fair. And he's like, well, I, I, I messed it up. It's all going to come to an end. But here I, you know, like she'd have the same reaction in that situation. Right. Be like, more specific. Every episode of the show features <laughs> the universe ending. Yeah. But whatever the case, Sylvie already knows who he is. He, he, he doesn't anticipate. It. And he has a very nice chat with Sylvie at the bar where he kind of explains why he wants to do this, which is he, he misses his friends. Right. I thought it was a really touching scene. Um, and, and, and finally like really letting Loki like get to the heart of what he's after. Yeah. 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 Uh, the why of what he's after, or as we find out later, the who, and uh, some, somebody on Reddit pointed this out, Dan Kvostin, but, uh, basically they said, given this scene, 
it really is an eventful five to six weeks of Loki's life that we've experienced. <laughs> yeah. Because just six weeks ago in Loki's mind, he was asking humanity to cower before him, uh, you know, leading up to the Battle of New York. And now he just wants to save his friends. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, in the span of an hour, he watched himself get choked out by Thanos. So, you know, like... Uh... Like, that was that was literally, like, it's been, like, uh, I'm going to say, you know, like, a decade in our timeline. But for him, it's been, like, a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is yeah. wild to think about. It's wild yeah. to think about. Yeah. So, anyway, but all he wants right now is his friends. He just wants to save his friends and be with his friends. Um, and he also presents a, an interesting ethical dilemma, which is, do we return these people back to the TVA? Because in his mind, he's like, that's who they are. They deserve to be given a choice to go back to the TVA. And Sylvie's like, no, this is this is who they are. The TVA was the like yeah. exogenous force acting on them, right? And I was very in Sylvie's camp on that one, right? I, I like, but I don't know what was your reaction to that whole conversation. No, I, I, I think I'm with Sylvie. I mean, it's it's funny because Loki finds himself like uh, selfishly wanting that for for himself as a guy who wants to destroy he who remains, but he's finding himself enacting the very things that he who remains put in place, right? The TVA and plucking variants from the timeline, like like Loki is like kind of setting himself up to follow the exact path of he who remains mm, yeah, by, well, not, not, by holding not only on like, to that. Not only plucking people in the timeline, trying to recreate the TVA, but also now he has like time skipping powers. Correct. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So interesting. Like, is it setting him up to be, is it setting Loki up to take over for Jonathan majors? Uh, I mean, look, uh, <laughs> another Avengers movie with Loki as the bad guy. I, I would, I wouldn't say no. Absolutely. Absolutely, sign me up for that. Um, <laughs> Kang Dynasty is like is like starring Tom Hiddleston. What? Yeah, yeah, uh, the, that would be the, amazing. The, <laughs> the Kang word goes away. Loki Dynasty. <laughs> you know, boom. That, that would be amazing. It's 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 also not impossible based off of the issues we've heard over going on at Marvel right now. So. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> uh, Loki is a Kang variant and and uh, of a very different complexion, but, but sure, yes. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Loki internalizes Sylvie's advice and he's like, you know what, Sylvie, you're right. I got to let all these people go back to their own timelines. And so he goes back to the future and he like uh, tells them all like, yep, uh, that's kind of what I've decided. Meanwhile, we see Sylvie go into a record store uh, where she has a long day because she had to listen to Loki prattle (laughs) on for like 10 minutes. And so she starts listening to Loaded by Velvet Underground. At which point the entire surroundings of her start turning into noodles. And this is the this is kind of the new like being dusted uh effect that we saw in like Avengers Endgame, except it's for not just humans, but the entire universe. And I have to say it looks incredible. Thank you, Austin. What were your thoughts on the sequence? Look, Mr. Fantastic from uh 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 Multiverse of Madness walked so that the entire Marvel universe could run. Uh, he, he was the first noodled and, uh, and now, now the entire universe is going to get it. They, they, they created that special effect and they're like, damn it. We spent a lot of money on this. We got to use this. And, uh, now, yeah, it's the new dusting. Um, I thought that sequence is amazing. Even just like before the noodlefication where the camera is kind of pulling back on Sylvie on that couch and her head 
dips back almost in like rest and the camera rises. And then like just watching the, the, the salesman like pour out the coffee and it spin off into its own tendrils. And really the, the, like the, the, the piece de resistance is the record spinning and all of the colors spinning out from it uh, as it becomes noodleified from above and the camera spins with it. Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. It's as you indicated at the beginning of this podcast, probably like an all timer moment in MCU history. Uh, they really delivered just like, because because what's great about it is it has a storytelling function, but it's also like horrifying. You know, it's yes. also like upsetting to watch the entire world kind of splinter apart in this goopy way. And at that point, as you said, Dan Kavosin, you know, uh, it's like, oh, hey, guess what? We can't live in the timeline. Like Loki's right again. We can't be happy. We uh, we actually need to work in order to maintain this universe, or it's all going to fall apart. There was this ideological struggle between Loki and Sylvia. Like Loki's like, we have to maintain the system. And Sylvie's like, let the whole system burn to the ground. It doesn't matter. It's terrible to begin with. And this show so far seems to be clearly on Loki's side of like, we can't just let it all fall apart. That, that, that's the, I'm just trying to articulate what I believe the idea of the ideas behind the show are right now, or the ideas that the show is putting forward are. Uh, I'm not saying I believe them or I support them in any way. <laughs> so, anyway. It's a hard stance you're taking there, David. <laughs> on this uh, fictional scenario. We, uh, oh, well, this scenario has so much relevance to real life. You know, uh, the real life time variance. Of th- no, I'm just joking. There's no such thing. Um, so, anyway. The entire planet starts turning into noodles. And uh, Sylvie pieces out. At that, she's like, "I'm out of here, right?" So she fires up the tempad and and leaves, and joins Loki back at the facility. Um, so she then tells Loki, "Hey, guess what? It's all gonna fall apart." And Loki's like, "Well, I guess we got to go do the thing then." And in order to do that, he's like, "Hey, we got to find the tempad," but the tempad's not there. Uh, and he thinks Casey has stolen it because Casey's been wanting to go rob a bank, but Casey's like, I don't have it. And then at that point, Casey starts disintegrating. All the characters start disintegrating. It's like Infinity War, you know, reprise. It's actually a very powerful moment when like X eighty five starts disintegrating, and she's like, I-, I don't like it. You know, there's um, did you ever see the Itchy and Scratchy Land episode of The Simpsons, Dan Gavazin? Yeah, that? of course. Yeah, and there's like a thing where like he pulls like one of the guards pulls like uh, the head off of an itchy and scratchy robot and he's, and the robot screams and the guy's like, I don't like it when they scream. And (laughs) it's like, that's how I feel about people being dusted. Like there are some people when they're like dusted or being turned to spaghetti that it seems like they actually experience pain while it's happening, you know? And that's very upsetting to me. I don't like, I don't like it. You know, the only thing that undercut this scene for me is that Loki goes, Hey, where's the temp pad? And they're like, oh, no, we don't have one, except we just saw Sylvie use one to get there. So, like, she could have just gone beep, beep, beep. Let's go back in time. We, right. like, we don't need Loki 
to come up with these magical powers. Like, well, it's a okay. convenient forget. I've let got me a defend, Let me defend the show and say that maybe Ob configured that tempad to like recognize temporal auras already. You know, which is okay. which is kind of the point of that whole thing. But you're right that that does forget that. I'm also curious, like, why they put that moment in there because theoretically he's going to go and like undo everything next episode. So why was there a moment where the temp pad was missing? Do you know what I'm saying? I think that's going to come back in some way. Yeah. Like, or, or it's, or it's just um like it, it, it closes him off to where he has no other choice, but to do uh, right, whatever, but to, yeah. but to learn how to time slip himself. Yeah. I mean, that's also possible. Except for the fact that the person standing right next to him has a temp pad, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm gonna say uh, at the very end of the show, post credit scene, we're gonna see this scene again. Somebody in this scene like used the tempad and then came back in the time, you know, when Loki, you know, was asking for it. That's and my guess. Sylvie will sneeze and go, "Oh no, I broke my tempad off screen." <laughs> Forget about this. Forget this happened. So then Loki decides he figures out how to time slip. He then time slips back. To like two minutes ago, into his own body, I guess, and so there's not two Lokis, even though we've seen him time slip before, and then I, I guess we haven't seen him time slip, and then see you no, know, we've seen him time slip and see himself before, so that was weird. Anyway, he time slips back into his own body, I guess, and because um, there's no two Lokis there, right? It's just him. it's like Slaughterhouse Five rules. Mm-hmm. What is what are what are Slaughterhouse Five rules, Dan? Have you read Slaughterhouse Five? Uh, like thirty years ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, the main character of Slaughterhouse Five experience he's unstuck in time, and mm. so he experiences uh, time travel ish things, but only ever inside his own body. Um, and so, like, his mind is jumping around. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah. it's it's not at all similar, but it is similar enough, right? Right. If right, you right. want to establish a framework, or yeah. like. Um... Uh, like uh, X Men: Days of Future Past, kind of at a sure, similar, sure, 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 where he like Wolverine like time traveled into his own mind from like fifty years ago. Remember that? Like that was cool. how how dare you keep it within the same medium and genre, uh, 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 David? <laughs> uh, whatever the case, it's inconsistent with the time slipping we've seen in the past. But okay, whatever, yeah. You know. Well, the show's just making up stuff. No, no one has also ever like controlled time slipping before. So, yeah, you yeah. know, I'll give it to them. Okay. So Loki has mastered the ability to time slip, right? Like he's mastered the ability to time slip. And then he says he realized how he's able to do it because it's not about where, when, or why. It's about who. Now, Dan Kavosin, you said you had some thoughts about this. Uh, my interpretation is like, it's about who he wants to be near, who he wants to save. And once, and it turns out the real time slipping, sorry, the real time variance authority, Dan Kvossen, was the, the friends, friends we made, we made along, along the way. The way. Yeah. I was going to make that exact joke. Uh, so yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you went there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it's about. And um, thinking back on this before I hopped on the call with you, and maybe it's because I've watched this whole show in the span of two days. Every time Loki has time slipped uh, pr- prior to this, he is always doing it to connect with someone he like one of this core group or a friend, a friend from this group. And mm. that's put even more on display in this episode where he's time slipping specifically to these people. 
And so that's the realization is it's kind of a why because it's, it's, it's the people he wants to be with, but it's like focusing on the who, right? And so as he watches everyone get melted away in front of his eyes, like that feeling of loss and that desire to be with them is what rewinds time for him. Um, and, you know, I, I haven't gone back and watched it, but I, I am fairly certain that every time he time slips, it's to be like with one member of this crew mm-hmm. throughout this season. Um, that's just my hypothesis. The real time slipping was love. Dang, <laughs> yes. yes. That's, that's what we learned. I'm always saying that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's who, it's a very like, it's all about the characters. It's all about what's motivating them. And in this case, it's about people. And I, I reaffirm, Loki's come a long way from wanting to dominate humanity to <laughs> now he just wants to be near his friends and have them survive. Uh, but anyway, he says, like, I, I think he says something along the lines of, I can rewrite the story or something like that at the end of the episode. Um, and that at that point, he appears to time slip to right before the end of the events of episode four of Loki. Did that you have my... to rewind this? I rewatched it like three times because I was like, okay, like, wh- like it's like a quick shot. It's like, boom. It lasts, like, it's lasts for like less than three seconds, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. less than three seconds, and there's a shot of um, yeah, know, like him. looking up the stairs at, at him and Obi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I got to say, I thought, like... Uh, Everything about the show aesthetically is awesome, and including the end credits. Like every week, I, I I feel like the end credits are different every week, even though they might not be, or they like they might reuse them or repeat them. But like I watch ha- it every time. Yeah, it's it's I watch it every because it's so good. It's like so yeah. well done. Natalie Holt's music, like the montage of all the different close ups, it's just really well done. And I just love how the end of this episode smash cut right to the credits in like a really impactful way you know what i yeah. mean like yeah you're watching it and then it's like oh my god your mind has just barely comprehended what you've seen and then boom cut to credits uh i loved it i thought it was great um what do you think is gonna happen dan Gavosin? i i mean I, I i think they're gonna walk that plank again and hit a button you know uh i, I don't know if that sounds satisfying to you but like i think whatever new power Loki has is going to allow him to persevere out in that time stream radiation, you know, longer than, than our poor uh, Victor timely. Um, and he's going to be able to stop it. Um, but then the question becomes like, what does that look like? I mean, we all, we all know we're going to be dealing with a multiverse, you know, in, in the future of the MCU. So, like, what does it mean for him to be successful? Is that pruning the timeline? Is he going to destroy the loom and let everything, you know, go free? I, I honestly don't know. And maybe it's because I'm all caught up on the rules and not sure how it all works. Um, but I, I do suspect that, like, do we know if there's a Loki season three being planned? Uh, I, I don't believe that has been confirmed yet. So, yeah. So to, to me, this seems like the end of, like, the Loki story in some way. Like if, if he's learned to like, whatever, if, if time slipping was uh, uh love persevering, you know, uh, uh, but like, I, I think that's a pretty solid character arc for this guy to go through from wanting to, 
see everyone as his subordinate and uh, to really evaluating his friends um, and making a decision about how that impacts the multiverse. Um, that's what I hope at least like I, I, I really truly want what was promised by the ending of last season, which is like the explosion of the multiverse and, and the return of Kang and all of the various, you know, council of Kangs that we saw in Ant-Man. Like I want Loki to have at least played a hand in making that happen to make this show feel like a really worthwhile chapter in this multiversal saga. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, we'll see. You know, I have some, there's some probably spoilers about this topic in this variety piece that got released uh, to, uh, yesterday. So, what I would like to do is I'd like to wrap up our conversation, tell people where they can find more of your work and stuff. And then I want to talk about this stuff that might be spoilery for next week's episode. Okay. Uh, if that's cool with you, Degvoss. Sure. That, let's okay? do it. All right, yeah. All right. So, uh, but before we wrap up, uh, like, I guess my closing thoughts on the episode is um, I want to praise this episode again, Loki season two, episode five, or uh, yeah, episode five science fiction. Um this was one of my most anticipated television episodes of the year, what we just watched, right? Because we just saw the entire universe explode last episode. <laughs> and I was like, how are they going to follow this up? Like, the, how, how is that going to... It could literally be anything. It could literally be anything. It could be we've restarted, we're back, you know, it's a flashback to a, hundred, a thousand years ago, the beginning of the TV. Like, it could have been anything. could have been anything. And what we got was an episode that was heartfelt, that was funny, uh, that paid off many of the things that had been set up in earlier episodes of the show, uh, that that revealed more of the character of Loki and where that character is at this point. It's just, uh, if not a home run, it's, cer- it's certainly a triple. I just thought it was a really, really solid episode that rewarded my time with this show. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I mean, I, I, I felt like, oh, I remember what the appeal of the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> right? was. You know, yeah, like, and it's like this oh, is, all the pieces matter. Like, this is neat. You right. Know, how fun. Yeah, we're, we're, and all the pieces matter. And we're watching, like, characters make meaningful connections in different ways that we haven't watched them before. Um it was it was lovely, and I'm I'm so glad we got to share this together, Dang Boston. It's been great. Yeah, it's been it feels great. good to be back. Uh, 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 talking about be- this again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, more thoughts about what's going to happen next week uh, in a bit. But Dan Kavazin, let people know where they can find your, more of your work on the internet this week. Yeah, um, well, I, like I like I said earlier, um, I'm the host of the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. It's all things Spider Man. Um, my my co-host and I own every Spider Man comic ever published, and uh, we like bring some of our knowledge to discussing those comics, new comics, um, movies, video games. Uh, you name it all, the breakfast cereal. I mean, imagine that opening to Into the Spider-Verse where he says all the things Spider-Man's been caught up in, and we talk about them all. Um, so if that's a character you feel particularly interested in and maybe you want to learn more about or you've been a fan for a long time, come check us out, AmazingSpiderTalk.com um, and our substack, AmazingSpider.substack.com. And of course, you can always find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Uh, and find us across all platforms, including YouTube and Instagram and TikTok at Decoding TV. Thanks to all the paid members at decodingtv.com for making this podcast possible. 
Uh, we'll be back next week with the finale discussion of Loki. And we'll be announcing what show we'll be covering next. Uh, a few options in the mix. And so we hope you'll stick around and, and learn what we'll be talking about. Because uh, Patrick Klepping and I plan to continue uh, covering more TV uh, for the foreseeable future. So it should be a lot of fun. All right. Before we talk about the following, it could contain what are considered spoilers for Loki season two, episode six. So like, if you do not want to know possible spoilers for Loki season two, episode six, stop listening or watching now. Okay. You have been warned. Uh, the possible spoilers ahead. All right, here we go. In a piece by Tatiana Siegel at Variety entitled Crisis at Marvel, uh, Jonathan Major's backup plans, the Marvel's reshoot to reviving original Avengers and more issues revealed. Tatiana Siegel enumerates a number of issues that are happening, chaos at Marvel. And uh, honestly, if you've been watching Marvel TV shows and films, you probably get a sense that things are not great. It is not, the quality is not as good as it was before. Secret Invasion was a disaster. Quantum Mania was not well received. Uh, so like, it's not, it's not a shock that there might be some turmoil going on at, at Marvel. Uh, in this article, they talk about what to do about the Jonathan Majors issue, who obviously has been accused of uh, very un unsavory things and faces a variety of PR and legal issues. Reading from the article, uh, at the gathering at this gathering in Palm Springs of a, bu a bunch of Marvel creative people, executives discuss backup plans including pivoting to another comic book adversary like Dr. Doom. But making any shift would carry its own headaches. Majors was already a big presence in the MCU, including as the scene-stealing antagonist in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. And he has been positioned as the franchise's next big thing in this season of Loki, particularly in the finale, which airs on November 9th and sets up Kang as the titular star of a fifth Avengers film in 2026, end quote. So that's the key line there is like, Somehow, episode six is going to set up Kang as the big bad, which is what you said is probably what's going to happen, right? Like, we're not—we're going to return to T Victor Timely. We're going to return to He Who Remains somehow, uh, and and set up Kang as the big bad. Well, we've already seen the Council of Cross Time Kangs in yes. the post-credit scene of, of Ant Man, and like, honestly, I'm surprised they left that in. You know, like that—that that would be the easiest thing to remove and then recast this character. But we've already seen an well, infinite in, number of Kangs. That was in March, though. Like, was it? Uh, I feel like the news about uh, about him came out before that movie was released. Am I wrong? I don't believe that is true. Okay, um, well, maybe I, I think, I'm incorrect on my timeline. I think it was literally around the same time. It was like okay. literally that month or the month after. It was, but it was not. It was not like. It, it was not in a time frame where I felt like they could have done something about that particular yeah. post credit scene. So, um. And then somebody says, quote, somebody's quoted as saying, Marvel is truly fucked with the whole Kang angle, <laughs> says one top <laughs> dealmaker who has seen the final Loki episode. Uh, and they haven't had an opportunity to rewrite until very recently because of the writer's strike, but I don't see how they move forward with him, end quote. Now, whether they do or not, who knows, but that's what a quote-unquote top dealmaker says about Kang. So... A lot of people have pointed out that this is the easiest thing to recast because we've already established that there's variants. Like, yeah, there is a Loki variant. Sylvie is a Loki variant. So you could easily just have a Kang variant that's a different actor uh, and move forward that way. Uh, I am unclear as to why they haven't done that yet. Uh, 
I mean, I, I I'm old enough to remember remember in Matrix uh, Revolutions. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, uh, so they re- recast um, the Oracle. Yeah, the Oracle was played by Gloria Foster in Matrix One and Two, and yeah. then played by Mary Alice in Three. That was explained via, I believe, one to two lines of dialogue in Matrix Revolution. Yeah, right. Like they didn't. They were just like, "Oh, yep, that cost something," and th- that was it. They they didn't really go into it at all. Um, and I'm not going to say that movie was amazing, but it, it it was fine. Like no one really batted an eye about it. Um, and certainly people were understanding. So. Uh, or Dumbledore, you know, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of major recastings yeah. that, that have happened over the years. To be um, fair, both of those instances were because the actor died. Yes, uh, it's true. But, but, you know, like, as you said, it does, it does happen a lot. Season one of Loki, in some ways, felt like a very long commercial for the rest of the MCU. Like, it's like, we're, we're, this whole thing is to, to introduce Kang the Conqueror, who comes back in Quantumania and is a completely different character than who he is at the end of Loki season one. Like it's a, yeah, the persona, everything is like completely different. The performance is different. You know, like it's, it's all very different. So it's, it felt very silly that we had so many episodes to build up to the introduction of this character. And then you didn't even really use that in the movie. Um, so I am really curious, like how the finale will advance the plot along when it comes to Kang. Uh, in a way that the movies honor, but they, they've definitely they're definitely in a mess right now when it comes to the major situation. Um, separate than that, I hope that we get some satisfying emotional payoff with Loki and Sylvie and their relationship. And I think there's enough in the show to make that happen, but it'll be tough. There's not that much to work with, but there's a, there's enough. Um, so we'll see how it plays out. That's kind of what my hopes are for the finale. The Doctor Doom pivot like mentioned in the article is particularly interesting to me. Um, if only because, um, secret wars is much more Dr. Doom's show than, than anything else. Um, you know, he kind of in the various iterations of secret war, becomes the super villain uh, of the whole thing. Um, and, you know, with the second version of Secret Wars, which is what I imagine they're going to be pulling more readily from from the comics, um, being a world completely devised by Doctor Doom, um, that this battle world where all the characters get taken to, um, and uh, so like the fact that they're saying we could pivot to Doctor Doctor Doom, it's like it makes sense, but it makes me wonder like, wait, were you not gonna do Doctor Doom <laughs> to to begin with? Mm-hmm. So, um. That I find very curious on, on like a separate note. Um, Kang is definitely like a major player in the original Secret Wars story, but it's more Doctor Doom's story. So maybe they find a way to kind of fudge that and make the Kang dynasty into a more of a Doctor Doom origin story of some sort that really sets up the Secret Wars story rather than doing a big Kang battle. Um, I mean, we'll see, but. I think it's interesting that they even like posited to reveal like that level of behind the scenes thinking. Um, but anyway. All right. That's it. I think. Yeah. Anything else? Thank you. Shall we wrap it up there? Sounds good to me. I want to say thank you again to Dan Kavazin for stepping in this week. Uh, it's greatly appreciated and be sure to check out amazing spider talk for more uh, thoughts and insights from Dan uh, about, one of the characters from the MCU. Uh, so, yeah. And we'll see you next week on Decoding TV. Goodbye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 